7 to 8 p.m. Sport On with Tabiso Musia. Thank you and good evening. Welcome to the show. Tabiso Musia is me, Liolam Kalip is the producer. And in technical tonight, we have Ababalam Duma. And tonight on the show, we'll be talking a lot of tennis. There are a lot of positives happening in South African tennis at the moment. And we want to highlight those and also use this opportunity to find out what it takes to make it as a pro a tennis player in South Africa. It's going to be part of our careers and sport feature. So we will speak to the Anthony Harris Tennis Academy founder, uh, Mr. Anthony Harris himself. They are based in Cape Town. They've produced the likes of Lloyd Harris, who's about to break into the top 100 in the world, having won two ATP Challenger Tour titles recently. And Lloyd will also talk to us tonight. Uh, he's all the way in Portugal and will also be joined by SA Davis Cup captain Marco Sondruska. The team is in Portugal for a crucial Davis Cup tie uh, this coming weekend. And we will then uh, catch up with them and just find out what the tie means and how things are going there in Portugal and also the surface that they'll be playing on. And then later on we'll also speak to Mr. Kolani Monsi who is the father of two immensely talented boys Usipo Nokulu Monsi who play tennis and they've won a number of junior titles in this country and 19 year old Sipo who played at the Junior Australian Open last year has now moved to the USA on a tennis scholarship and young Kulu became the SA Junior Champion for the fifth time recently he's 16 so we'll speak to their father just to, to, to find out more about the journey of these boys and what he's hoping uh, for them in the future but firstly we have to talk about the football. If you missed it, Bafana Bafana were held to a shock goalless draw by Seychelles earlier this afternoon. It was the reverse fixture of the 2019 AFCON qualifiers and the hopes of qualifying now for Cameroon next year have been have received a major setback with this draw. It is really disappointing considering that last Saturday Bafana Bafana put six past the Seychelles who are part-timers folks with no professional league. You'll remember we spoke to their coach last week and a journalist from the Seychelles who told us that uh, uh, all the players have day jobs and if they have to go play for the national team they need to apply for leave and they make more money actually working than playing for their national team the one was a postman the one worked at a hotel he was a chef um, I, I just can't remember what the other ones did but they're all part-timers and they've not won a game in three years the Seychelles and they actually created a number of chances today uh, so what does this mean for qualification for Cameroon remember Libya and Nigeria also in Group E play later today so SABC sport commentator Brian Mufukeng who was commentating the game which was live on SABC joins us on the line now and we can go to Brian yes we can Brian good evening and thank you very much for joining us on SAFM sir Fine, thanks, Brian. We we heard you commentating the game. How do you view this result? Is it disappointing? Is it two points dropped, or is it a point gained? No, I think it's two points dropped. I mean, we should have wrapped up this game very early. We played very well, uh, but I think we struggled to acclimatize and actually adapt to the new system because on Saturday we played at FNB Stadium, a very good grass, and we went to play in the second game today, which was away from home and playing in an artificial turf. We struggled to adapt, and the players couldn't just couldn't hold on to the ball enough to try and go forward. If you look at ball possession stats, we're sitting very high, I mean, 71% at the end of the game against 9 percent but he just couldn't do what was needed the most find the back of the net. Is that what went wrong, Bruno? Uh, because the coach went with two men up front, clearly looking for more goals. He tried a new combination. I mean, remember when he played on Saturday against Seychelles in South Africa, we had uh, Mudiba alongside, uh, taking alongside um, uh, Mutiba, and that's where we were able to find the goals and uh, get the space as well and find the back of the net. But today, opted to try Dinon Dov, who was a substitute, he came as a sub late in the first game. But he started with him today. 
the combination between him and, 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 and Mutiba didn't work out at all because there, were always, there was always a chance for the defense of Seychelles to be able to slot in there. I mean, Benoit Marie was always the man that covered. Also, on the left-hand side, the captain of the side, then Joubert, always been able to track back and get into the position, as well as Nigel, who scored their own goal in the first goal, in the first game. They looked slightly solid at the back. They looked more composed. They were able to, to start everything that we, we took at them. I mean, if you had 20 shots, 20 shots taken, and only four were on target. So it just shows that we are huffing and puffing going forward, but just not had a desired heart to be able to find the back of them. And also, the combination play going forward, something just was, something was amiss. We missed a player who could hold on and wait for support and try and get the ball into the back of the net. We hurried everything when he went forward, and that played in the hands of Seychelles. Mm. If you were watching the game, feel free to call us. Give us your view. 0891-104-207. Our SMS line is 40938. What did you make of the performance today? If you didn't watch it, we are helping you uh, get through to... Well, we are helping you get a better understanding of what happened. Brian Mufugeng, SCBC Sports commentator who was covering the game, is, is speaking to us now. How much credit, Brian, must go to the Seychelles who played with a lot of heart today and they seem to show a lot of character after that 6-0 drubbing? You know, they they, 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 they they started very well today. I think the coach, whatever he did when he went back home, they, 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 they looked more composed. Uh, they closed everything. They made sure that South Africa could not break. Every time South Africa had possession, they had more bodies behind the ball to cover, and they relied solely on counter-attack. And you could see as the game progressed, the fact that they're playing at home, the humidity was very high, 60%. I mean, that was at some stage we're looking at as far as humidity is concerned. So you could see that it was getting very hot. It was getting very tough on the full of play for South Africa. And they, all they did was just kept their shape. But the reality is, if you look at them and look at the professional setup team they're playing against, we shouldn't have even struggled against the team because, as you mentioned, these are semi-professionals. But they were able, even though they couldn't keep the shape in the duration of the game, they went to the ball was. And we played their game. We eventually started going where the ball was with them as well. They sort of keeping shape and allowing to actually uh, get into the spaces they were leaving behind whenever they went for the ball. We were not doing that. We were matching them on everything. Hence, they were able to hold on. Most of the ball position we had was in our own half. Whenever he broke and went forward, we just didn't know what to do with the ball because we found ourselves wanting with four or five players of Seychelles around us. And every time the ball got in, the goalkeeper made one brilliant save. The rest of the time, he didn't do much. I, I also saw that the coach didn't do much from the bench. If I'm not mistaken, I only see him saw him make one change from the bench. Looking at the tactics, did that surprise you? I thought that some still going to have a player like Timmy Kosi Lodge, who was going to try probably take on and take on the players of Seychelles, try and pin them more back and try and get the ball into the penalty towards somebody who can probably be able to find the back of the net. I would have probably gone for that. But he held on and stood firm with that. He made one change, Mudiba came on. You could see when they had a player like Mudiba who was trying to run at them, they struggled a bit to try and hold on to the player like that. So maybe a loss on the left-hand side would Mudiba coming from the right-hand side and maybe trying to sacrifice one player in the middle to try and get things going forward, try and find an odd goal before he can even wrap up and really try and, say, and close things down at the back. We had Ramakam Pashela was always overlapping going forward, but even he got there, couldn't get the desired cross because the turf was not good enough for the long balls. And that is the biggest problem we have. When you play in a turf like that one, because you can't play the ball on the ground, you need to have the long ball played in. When you're playing the long balls and you can't get good pinpoint cross into the penalty area, your runs forward means nothing. Do you agree then, Brian, with those who are saying that today's performance was just not good enough? We're not good enough. I, I believe that with the performance we, we had today, we are just going to go to the Afghan tournament. We're going to perform like this just to make up numbers. 
will not be able to get anything if you go to the tournament and perform the way you did today. Are we going to the tournament? What does it mean for the group with this draw now? You, you, you know the good news for South Africa in in, in, in this year's qualifiers, for this next year's African qualifiers, the fact that on the 20th of July, when uh, the chess executive met, they decided to increase the number of teams that are playing in the tournament uh, from initial 16 to 24. Yes. Because if you look at the initial 16 setup, it was only going to be the group winners and the best three, uh, the best three, base, the best three runners up. We're going to qualify for the tournament. But the teams would have been the same group as Cameroon as the host nation. If Cameroon are finishing first and second and Cameroon having more points and so forth, they'll probably be able to get an extra team in that group. But now with a new format, it means we're going to have the number one and two qualifying automatically for the tournament. So it does give us a very good uh, position to be able to go through into the next stage. We know that Nigeria is playing uh, later on today against uh, Libya. The game is being played in Tunisia. What you want to see in that game probably is a Libyan victory and a Nigerian loss. So the South African take on a, a Nigerian in the next game knowing that they need to get three points from Nigeria to put themselves in a pound seat to be able to qualify for the tournament proper. So there's still a lot to play for. We're sitting on eight points at the moment. Nigeria sitting on six, Libya on four points. So there's two points gap between ourselves and Nigeria. But Nigeria have a game in hand they need to play today against Libya. A draw will also might just be a good result for South Africa, provided when Nigeria comes to South Africa that is next month we're able to win against Nigeria. That is the only way. Otherwise, we might find ourselves in a situation where Libya goes against Seychelles, gets maximum points, and then if they can win against Nigeria, do Nigeria wins against us? We might be saying almost, but yet so far, yet again. Okay, Brian, thank you very much for joining us and just giving us a, a review and analysis on the game. Brian, thank you very much for joining us on SAFM. Thank you. Very passionate there, uh, Brian Mufukeng, saying that it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Uh, there is still lots of hope for Bafana Bafana, according to Brian. And uh, it's two teams that go through to AFCON 2019. And by the way, today, Madagascar qualified for AFCON. They won 1-0 against Equatorial Guinea. So well done to them. I'll just take one quick call because we have to go to tennis. Uh, our t- captain is waiting for us as well as the player, Lloyd Harris. Cabello in GP, good evening. What's your comment, mate? Norati Hafa. Eh, hey, Oga. I'm fine, Cabello GP here. Yes. You know, uh, Brother T, I want to mention something. The same team played here, FMB, they won 6-0. That 6-0, we were there, we came to support them. The same team went to Seychelles. They played 0-0. We are left with two games, with Nigeria. We, uh, Nigeria, we play home, and uh, Libya, we are playing away. So we, we need only three points to qualify. They're taking number one and number two. So all I'm asking is the South Africans, let us be positive. Support Bafana, whether they, they pledge, they, they did not win today. But we only needed four points. So we still have two games to play and we only need three points. Let us support them. When we play Nigeria, we need to fill up the stadium. But, to but, complain and say Bafana did this, Bafana the coach, so-and-so. It will not have. We need three points to qualify. We, we are going to qualify. Whether I like it or not, if they can't play, I'm going to enter the stadium. I'll play for them so I can score them. That, that's a very good point you make, Cabello, but you can understand why people are a bit worried now because uh, Bafana blew a World Cup qualifying campaign when they had four points out of six when Stuart Baxter took over. Bafana lost to Cape Verde twice. Bafana couldn't beat Libya at home last month and uh, Bafana have to go and play Libya away and Nigeria here at home. So you can understand why people are a bit concerned. But as he's saying, Cabello GP, um, it's not lost at the moment. Bafana can still do it with a win over Libya or Nigeria. But let's see how the, go- the, the game goes tonight between Libya and Nigeria. Interesting, Kabela with his Nigerian accent is fully, fully behind um, Bafana Bafana. Let's leave it there with the football. We're going to talk tennis up next.
Leading Sport Stories of the Day on SAFM. On Twitter, Edwin Shabasa says Bafana were on a holiday. The result says it all and he's put that picture of the players on the beach there before the game. And a lot of people are making an issue that Bafana were on the beach there. But surely, guys, they weren't expected to stay in their rooms the whole day. They had to go out at some time, surely. Now, come on, let's be fair. Uh, but um, let's move on now and talk tennis. As South Africa's Davis Cup captain, Marcos Andruska, joins us on the line now to look ahead to the big tie against Portugal. Uh, Skipper, good evening and thank you very much for finding time to speak to us on SAFM. Hey, good evening. Thanks for having us on the line. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a very exciting weekend over here with uh, South Africa playing against Portugal. Uh, we've got some, you know, rising good young stars on our team over here, but uh, the other team from Portugal is actually very, very strong. So uh, it should prove to be interesting. Before we get into the into the teams, it's a very crucial tie in the Euro-Africa zone, zone Group 1. Can you just put it into perspective for us? What does it mean? Well, um, what we did last year, we um, actually got promoted from Euro-Africa Zone 2. We beat Denmark and we moved up to Euro-Africa Zone 1, which is kind of where we wanted to be and on the trajectory that we wanted to be on, um, because that would be one group below the world group, which is our goal. Um, I feel that uh, our team is pretty much strong enough to start competing on that level. Um, We unfortunately had a very, very difficult tie against Israel at home at the start of the year. Um, We had, you know, Lloyd went up first and he won his first match and then Nick was uh, took duty seller to a set all and then some lightning broke out and we had to wait for another hour unfortunately lost the momentum there we won the double so we were two one up and then unfortunately day two uh, ended up being a little tougher with the singles over there um, both guys went down a little bit there but we had that really good opportunity there to stay um, and, and actually try and move up this, this year um, but uh, you know so here we are now we have to play relegation to try and stay in this uh, group over here and again just put us within striking distance of the world group which then will hopefully be the goal for next year okay and the usual suspects are there you mentioned lloyd nick scoltz is there raven uh ruan but tell us a bit about this philip henning this debutant um, well, he was one of the practice partners that we had in South Africa at the start of the year. Uh, we like to bring one of the young up-and-coming kids with us as, as, as much as is reasonably possible. Um, it's certainly easier on home ties than it is on away ties. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, he, he's a very talented little player. We had a great time with him. He's got a great attitude. Um, he did really well at the beginning of the year at the Aussie Open Juniors, um, and uh, I think he won the African Junior Cup in Morocco earlier in the year. Um, so he's a good little player. Um, he's got a great hand-eye skills, and uh, you know, he's someone to look for in the future. Um, it's exciting that uh, you know he's part of the main team now uh, for this tie and uh, you know we're looking forward to to seeing him now your hosts have named a very strong team like you said i see three of the four players are inside the top 200 in the world with home ground advantage also do they start as favorites for this one um, yeah, you know what I would say so. Um, I mean, there's a lot of wild cards in the air. I think, I mean, the, the number one player is 40 in the world, and they've got two more players that are, you know, uh, inside the top 200. Um, but you know what? Um, we've got a wild card here. Lloyd, uh, he's playing uh, extremely well at the moment over here. He seems to be uh, beating players like Gail Monfields lately yeah. and, and people who are really renowned players um, on the international scene. So, um, you know, that, that's a strong card to play and a, st- a strong one to have in your back pocket over here. Um, he arrived yesterday, um, a little tired, um, because he's been winning a lot of matches out in the United States over there at the challenger level uh, and moving his ranking up to what I believe is about 111 at the moment. Um, so, you know, like things are going for uh, strength to strength from him. Um, Raven, 
has been playing really well too. Him and Michael Venus should be on the verge of qualifying uh, for the uh, London tournament at the end of the year. I think we'll probably find out at the end of this week, start of next week, hopefully. Um, so things are looking uh, up for Raven over here. And again, you know, he's just a classy player. Um, he gives himself up time and time again for uh, Davis Cup here and for his country. Um, he's a great guy and, and he's a wonderful guy to have on the team. And then uh, we have Ruan and Nick Skoltz, both are, you know, experienced players over here uh, as part of the team and uh, yeah we're looking forward to taking these guys on you're going to take them on on an outdoor red clay court uh they they choose the surface right that is correct the surface the balls and the conditions is entirely in their uh well in their favor they get to pick what they want so what do you make of the conditions and the and uh, the surface that you'll be playing <coughs> on well, it's certainly, I mean, it's red clay. Um, it's, it's, it's one that's tougher for us as South Africans because we don't have really very many red clay courts in South Africa. I believe you can, uh, there's maybe two in, in the entire South Africa over there. Um, and uh, so uh, we're fortunate, though. Lloyd practices at the Anthony Harris Tennis Academy, and they have a clay court over there. And, uh, you know, so he, he's pretty good on clay. He's got great balance. He moves around really well. Um, Raven obviously plays on the circuit, so he plays a good amount uh, on clay as there's a big part of the year that is on clay, as does Ruan over there. Um, so, you know, our guys have some experience, um, but not the type of experience that the Europeans have where they grow up on the clay and make decisions on a yearly basis or day-in, day-out basis on the clay over there. So, um, you know, one thing that, that is a little bit in our favor is, is that this time of the year is not particularly a clay court time, um, and most of the players, even the Portuguese, would have been on maybe on a hard court or indoor fast type surface before coming into here. So we're hoping that that plays out nicely in our favor too, or at least evens up some of the game. We're actually going to be speaking to the Anthony Harris Tennis Academy shortly, uh, where Lloyd comes from. You've previously tipped Lloyd for bigger things in the game. Uh, uh, Skipper, you must be delighted with his progress. I am. You know, like I've always said, Lloyd's uh, been at least a top 100 candidate um, and top 30 if he wants to do well. Um, I think I'm actually going to up that prediction again. Um, I, I from what I saw today, him hitting out here, um, I do actually think maybe a top 10 berth is somewhere in his future over there. He's playing really well, and it's no real surprise watching what I'm seeing on court here today um, that he is doing as well as he is around the world circuits over there. So um, I think that's exciting stuff for South Africa and uh, for you know the sport of tennis in general over there. Um, and uh, you know just makes things more interesting so everyone can stay glued to the TVs and watch and follow his career because he's a great young man, um, and uh, he's certainly... A, an exciting young prospect. Before you pass the phone to that great young man, have you decided on your pairings how you'll set up the team? Um, you know what? I have a vague idea of what I think I want to be doing. Um, the it, it's been raining a little bit, so we've had to go indoors on the indoor clay surface that they have over here, and uh, so we haven't. I haven't really been able to scout uh, as much the opposition as I want. Um, I've watched some of the videos, what's available on YouTube and stuff like that, um, but I think a lot of it will de- will be determined uh, on, on what I see over the next day or two as the other team um, practices, as I see their combinations, as I see who's hitting, what's hitting, and. And, and sort of wrap my mind around what might happen over the weekend over there and then obviously try and move some things around that, that might best suit us. Great stuff. Coach, we wish you, we wish you all the best, Captain. Uh, please pass the phone to Lloyd. I know he's next to you in the room there. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lloyd, good evening. Can you hear us? Okay. Let's uh, hello. How's it, Lloyd? Good evening. Can you hear us? Good evening. Great. Yeah, I can hear everything. Thank you very much for joining us on SAFM. Uh, Lloyd, you've been there for a couple of days now in Portugal. How's it going? No, it's been going really well. Um, you know, ever since I've arrived, I've kind of jumped right into it, you know, getting the body ready, getting some good 
treatment and uh, had some really good practices today. So overall, everything's been uh, a lot of fun and, uh, you know, we're uh, working hard and getting ready for the weekend. You've really grown in stature, Lloyd, over the past couple of months. You must be pleased with the progress that you've made, winning two ATP Challenger titles, getting into that US Open main draw, beating Gail Monfils. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I've uh, made a significant improvement in my game in the last couple of months and been getting the results to show for it, for sure. Um, and uh, ever since, you know, a couple of results, I've been playing off a lot of confidence and, you know, that's helped me to conquer some some very high up players. Um, so I feel like I'm playing probably the best tennis of my career at the moment. Uh, was that the goal for you this year? What was the goal for you for you this year? You know, it's it's hard to set ranking goals in the in the tennis system. Um, but uh, you know, just improving my game day after day, and you know, just climbing to the highest possible position I can reach. I would say that's kind of been my goal uh, over the last uh, while. But obviously, I've climbed up to. A, significantly higher ranking um, maybe than some people expected and maybe myself. So I'm uh, yeah, just looking on improving that in the near future. Not too far from breaking into the top 100 now. Um, what will it take from now on to get there? Yeah, not too far away, but um, you know, the point system is very cruel and you know, just a couple of spots away, but Actually, I still need to make a lot of points, um, so I'm still going to have to work very hard and, you know, win a lot of matches before I do uh, achieve that eventually, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, it's just to, you know, stay focused on what I need to do, keep working on my game, and then, yeah, eventually the results will come. Talking about your game, which aspect of your game has pleased you the most and where do you still seek improvement? Yeah, I would say like just my my game in general being like more solid, moving forward, playing aggressive, and uh, also my competitiveness. You know, just trying to compete for every single point out there. Uh, I think that's been one of the key aspects of my game over the last couple of months. Um, really trying to win every single point. Um, that's been one of the big things. And then yeah, improvements. Uh, you know. As a tennis player, there's always room for a lot of improvements. So just working on, you know, constant, constant small improvements in your game, I feel like that is um, always vital. Doesn't matter which shot it is, just making small adjustments in in the right direction, and and that will lead you uh, to better performance. You are now with the national team, big tie against Portugal. They've already said you are a marked man. The Portuguese. Does that put pressure on you? Are you happy with that pressure? Yeah, always happy with the pressure. Um, I, I don't really mind. You know, it's uh, you know, it's amazing being out here, going to represent my country. Um, you know, it's going to be exciting time for sure. They've got some tough players, and uh, you know, I'm just looking to cause some danger for them and put some doubt in their minds. And hopefully, we can go out there in the weekend and play really well. And uh, that will make me uh, very happy for sure. I was about to ask you, um, how, how is it being in a team environment? Because they always say tennis can be a lonely sport. Yeah, uh, no, that's very true. I mean, we are on the road for the entire year by ourselves, basically, you know, maybe with a coach for some of the weeks and maybe traveling with a companion for a little while. Um, so it is a lonely sport. And these weeks, like Davis Cup, they are just something special, you know, to uh, share the week on court with, you know, some of my best mates probably that I have um, is is on the Davis Cup team. So we all get along extremely well. Um, I mean, I think the whole team, with the coach, physio, everyone all together, we, we're all, you know, 
a very close little family um, or somewhat and uh, we have a lot of fun in Davis Cup weeks and uh, you know whether it's a home tie where we get to play in front of family and friends that's always awesome but even when we're away we really have a, a good time all together. We are about to speak to Anthony Harris actually just tell us about your time at the academy and how they've helped your tennis development. Yeah I've been with uh, Anthony uh, for about five years now maybe five and a half and uh, what a road it's been, you know, starting off as a junior and, you know, starting to play serious tennis uh, when I moved over to him and the things we've <laughs> had to conquer and the, the benchmarks we've reached is, is pretty amazing. You know, coming from uh, this academy in Seapoint, uh, it's really just been amazing, the support I've gotten from him and all the other coaches over there. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't have done any of this without him. So uh, I'm uh, very pleased with how our relationship has grown and how we've grown, like, professionally and on the court, etc. And, uh, yeah, it's been an amazing experience over there. He is actually listening to this conversation, Mr. Anthony Harris. Good evening and thank you for joining us. What would you like to say to Lloyd before we let him go, sir? Hi, good evening. I'd just like to tell him good luck and enjoy and have fun. Okay, great stuff. Lloyd, thank you for finding time to speak to us. We really appreciate it, mate. All the best for the coming tie against Portugal. Thank you very much, and thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Lloyd, uh, part of our uh, Davis Cup team, of course, and we also spoke to Captain Marcos Andruska about this big tie that they have against Portugal. Um, if it doesn't go well, then uh, South Africa will be relegated, so it is a crucial tie there uh, for Team SA in this Euro-Africa uh, Group Zone 1 um, in Portugal. They're playing on this outdoor red uh, clay court, so it looks like everything is against the team, but they sound really, really confident, and I think with Lloyd Harris in the team, I think has lifted the spirits they arrived yesterday to join up the team and they have a lot of hopes hanging on him. But up next, we'll talk more tennis and we'll speak to uh, Mr. Anthony Harris, the founder of the Anthony Harris Tennis Academy. If you do want to join the conversation at any time, feel free to call us on 0891 let me repeat that zero eight nine one one zero four two zero seven. Our WhatsApp number is zero one zero six one four one zero four one zero seven, and our SMS line is four zero nine three eight. Here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. SAFM one zero six point two FM in Oldswaran. So then, let's talk to Anthony Harris, uh, Tennis Academy founder, Anthony Harris, who joins us on the line we heard from him. Uh, Anthony, good evening again, and we really appreciate your time. Good evening. Thanks for having me. Tell us about Lloyd, firstly. When did you first come across him, and did you immediately see the potential? I saw Lloyd about five, six years ago, and I saw something really special, and um, we began a relationship. And what was the plan for Lloyd and is he, has he met the timelines that you'd hoped for because he's really close to breaking into the top 100? From the beginning, we had a very, very structured uh, program and goal setting for Lloyd. So we laid out like really um, very clear benchmarks, you know, which we agreed that if he was to reach these benchmarks, this would justify continuation because of the cost, etc. And so we laid out these benchmarks and and each one so far has been achieved. 
It seems like you have a lot of other potential stars there in the academy. Just tell us about the Anthony Harris Tennis Academy. When was it started and what's the main aim? About five years ago, five, six years ago, we decided to create a high-performance center that would make would provide an opportunity for any child who had the potential, who had the desire, who had the hunger, and it wouldn't be because of money or finances that this child would not get the opportunity to compete or to play tennis in a and with a real chance. So, so how do you find the players? Do you recruit? Do they come to you, or is it a bit of both? It's a little bit of both. Uh, some kids approach us. We go out. Sometimes I, somebody tells me there's a really exciting kid. I'll go have a look at him. Um, sometimes people bring me kids to have a look at that are exciting. And if we feel that the kid is right and it suits and he deserves, we'll give him the chance. And I see that it's also more than just a tennis academy. You also put a lot of emphasis on education, life skills. Tell us more. Well, we we definitely want the kids to um, to learn life skills. And so we, we are very involved and we're beginning to get more involved with mentoring. In other words, that when we're bringing up a, and build and developing a, a high-performance athlete or a champion, it's not just about the tennis. So if we, if we look at a kid like Lloyd who grew up with us from the age of 14, 15, we, we also want to make sure that he understands how to deal with life, how to deal with adversity, how to deal with finances, um, how to be prepared for the real world when, when he reaches 18, 19, when he starts to make money. How to, and then there's a life after tennis. And that these kids understand and that they understand that after tennis, they have to prepare for a, a new life. So they must set themselves up during this process for the future. And what kind of support do you get, Anthony Harris, to run an academy like this? I, I can understand it can't be easy. Until about three years ago, we had absolutely no support. So my wife and I, we we decided we believed in what we were doing, and so we we put our own money and our own finances into creating the academy, and we financed it ourselves. About th- then, I began to understand that I needed a lot more resources than the two of us were able to provide. So I just I knew that we had to create some form of foundation to raise the funds to make sure that these kids could get the training they need and that they could get to the international arena where they have to be. So about three years ago, we met a woman by the name of Anthula Markovitz, and we, together with her, created a foundation called Match. And Match slowly just goes out and raises money to make sure that our kids get to the tournaments and they get an equal... Uh, competing chance on the international arena. And are you are you now receiving? Are you getting some kind of support? Sorry, I'm saying are you are you getting now the support? Having partnered with with Match Development Foundation, are people also coming on board now to assist? Very slowly, it's definitely getting better. And we we and now that SA Tennis has a new CEO, Richard Glover, who's also been supporting us, so we're very grateful for that. But 
if I look at what it what's needed and um, what's actually happening, we're very far behind in terms of how much money we have or how much we and what we need. And who are some of the players that you have in, in, in the academy that have already shown signs of big things to come? So if, if, we, if we speak about, I mean, it's, it's very easy to say this kid is talented or that kid is talented. And it's very difficult if someone could say who's going to make it, they, it's impossible. Mm. So we have, again, like we used with Lloyd, we, we use very, very clear criteria and benchmarks that we believe that if you're reaching these criteria, you definitely are there amongst the best in the world. And right now, we definitely we have two boys. One is Kolo Monsi and one is Pierre Milan. Both of these players have reached, uh, let's call it our second criteria, which for us was to win at least three, four or five international ITF junior grade four, grade five events. Um, we feel that if you're not able to win four or five of these events, you consider going even going further. It's, it's almost it's not real. Both of these kids have have done that this last year, and both of them probably starting in January will probably both be if not one will for sure be in the top hundred in the world in the juniors, and the other one Colomonsi if he's not he'll be very close but he's still very young, so he's way ahead of the benchmark. So, which is very exciting. I mean, this kid is uh, is 15, and he's already won three, four, five international titles this year. So that's exciting. And then behind them, we have um, quite a few younger kids who are very exciting. But again, we'll see if they reach the benchmark, and then we'll speak with you then. <laughs> Well, the Monte brothers have received a lot of attention over the past couple of years. And as you said, Kulu is now with you. What makes him so special? Well, he's definitely got skill. And he's highly, he has a very high tennis IQ. He's a great athlete. Um, and he's, he's reaching the, he's making criteria. He's reaching the goal. So, um, this is very promising. We're actually going to speak to his father next. But did Sipo, how much time did Sipo spend time with you before he left for the U.S.? About one year Sipo spent with us before he left. Mm. And, and on that note, what does it take, uh, Anthony, as we wrap up now, to make it as a professional tennis player, especially when you come from South Africa? Is your path basically overseas? Do you have to live at a certain age? I think what's important is that you develop the correct things at the correct age to start with, and that you you, you keep re- and and that your development over over your um, over the stages from the ages of seven until eighteen, they have to be designed correctly. And so, providing that this is happening, and you have the resources to develop your competitiveness internationally and that you have a really great environment around you. I think these are the elements that um, will help you to succeed. Okay. Anthony Harris, thank you very much for finding time to speak to us. And how do people get in touch with you? How do they get in touch with the Academy? They can just Google us on Anthony Harris Tennis Academy. 
Okay, great stuff. Thank you very much there. Anthony Harris, founder of the Anthony Harris Tennis Academy. You can check them out there also on Facebook. And I actually saw some of the posts and I hear he was a very decent player in his days, uh, Anthony Harris. And a lot of uh, some of the messages that I, show, I saw, people were saying that it couldn't have been a better person that is in charge of a tennis academy and is really doing some fantastic things. We're seeing Lloyd Harris about to break into the top 100 now. And he's mentioned the Monty brothers, Young Kulu and Sips. And we're going to talk to their father um, up next to Kolani Monty. I know that he sacrificed a lot for his boys to get to this stage and we'll talk to him about the sacrifices that he's made and also what he is hoping that his boys achieve uh, going forward. We were able to really acquire these rights at a very low and commercially viable amount. Similarly with Cricket South Africa, this was done in a way which was both commercially viable. The SABC, because of our financial position, is no more in a position where it can enter into commercially unviable sports arrangements, agreements and deals. SAFM, leading the conversation. 0891-104-207. If you do follow tennis, especially here at home, I'm sure you would have heard about the Monty brothers now. People have been talking about them for a couple of years now. And um, their father, Okolani, joins us on the line now just to speak about these two boys. Mr. Monty, good evening and thank you very much for finding time to speak to us on SAFM. Hey, good evening, Tabiso, and good evening to the listeners. Your boys have received. Thank you. Your boys have received a lot of attention, but they seem to have managed to stay very grounded. Are you happy with how they've handled the spotlight so far? Wow, Tabiso, I'm very much happy. They are handling themselves very well. They are relating to everybody that they are come up against very well, and uh, socially they are handling themselves very well. So I'm quite happy. I'm quite pleased. The last time I spoke to you, Mr. Monty, you as a family were based in Gauteng. Why and when did you make the move to Cape Town? Yes, that is true, Tabi. So we made the move in July last year when Sips uh, got to, to the ceiling in the academy that he was playing in. And uh, really he had nothing that was pushing him in the academy. So looking around in the country and having traveled to the country and Having seen all the academies around, we decided to move to Cape Town to Anthony Aristenes Academy. And and at that time, Sipo was uh, on his transitional stage of his tennis. So Anthony Aristenes Academy was the was the previous, was the obvious choice for us. So that is when we moved in July last year. As a family, are you still heavily involved in their tennis, and are you happy with the progress? Um tell you so, we are heavily involved, we are still involved, and we're going to continue being involved with their tennis. With their tennis. Um, we, as you know, the story mm. of all the sacrifices that we have made, jobs, immovable assets, movable assets, we are still continuing. And we are so grateful. Uh, that the boys are doing it and they are making themselves proud and they are making South Africa proud and they are making the nation proud. So, yeah, we are are quite uh, pleased. I know it has not been easy, Mr. Munzi. I know your story of moving from the Eastern Cape to Gauteng for greener pastures. How do you look back at the road that you've traveled so far with these boys? It has been tough, Sadiso, as you know. But you know what? We don't regret a thing. 
with all what they have achieved within a short space of time, we don't regret a thing. We are so motivated to go ahead on this road. It's a long one. It's not easy. But look, whenever we, spoke, we speak about it and things are tough, we always ask ourselves, was there anyone who has ever told us that this road was going to be easy? And uh, unfortunately, no one has ever told us that. So we don't complain. We keep going because we know that one day we are going to achieve our goals. The boys are going to achieve their goals. They have got a vision and they will accomplish it. What are some of these challenges that you've made as a family for these boys' careers? The challenges, Tadiso, uh, has always been uh, the financial support. Financial support has uh, been a problem, and this is what has led us to uh, sacrificing all what we had. And uh, talking to people, talking to TSA, uh, talking to uh, business people, some were able to come on board to help us. Uh, South Africa, uh, with the arrival of Richard Glover, uh, came on board to assist us here and there, and we are so grateful for that. And then Antonio's Tennis Academy made life uh, more easy for us uh, with the kids. You know, they managed to help us as well, and together with Match, Found- Match Foundation. So those are the people who have helped us uh, along the way and other people that I have not mentioned. So the financial side has always been the challenge. Because at some stage you had to give up your job, right, for their careers? As I mentioned, yes, uh, I gave up my job. My wife gave up her job. Uh, We gave up our houses. We gave up our movable assets. All those things we, we gave up for this uh, a, a journey for the boys because we strongly believe that there is something that is in them and uh, they strongly believe in what they can do and what they have been given by God to go ahead and uh, and play this tennis. Now, Sips has moved to the USA. I know it's been a struggle, but before we get there, what are some of his highlights that you can share with our listeners, just of Sips specifically? With Usips, uh, you will recall that uh, Usips, before he moved out of um, ITF uh, under 18, he made the top 100. Mm. And then he went on to play in the Junior Australian Open, uh, where he got all the remarks from uh, Andy Murray's mom, Judy Murray, mm. about being the. Uh, today I saw the most talented uh, junior player from South Africa, where she said uh, he needs to be taken care of. People should uh, uh, look after him. Then from there, unfortunately, he the aim was to play more Grand Slams. But unfortunately, due to financial constraints, as I have mentioned before, uh, he could not play all those Grand Slams that were on his lineup. And then uh, he did not stop playing. He continued playing uh, ITF Pro as well, which was uh, a bit tougher. But with Sipo being Sipo, having his goal 
and uh, setting himself uh, some benchmarks, he was able to play up until he gets to the finals of the ITF Pros, losing to the guy who won the tournament in Egypt early this year in April. So with all that he has done, Osipo, uh, he managed to catch the eye of the international companies like Head International, where he achieved the sponsor or he got the sponsor. And then uh, lastly, he managed to uh, catch the eye of the head coach in University of Illinois, where they have uh, awarded him or they have uh, given him a full scholarship for his college tennis. Oh, that is great so, news. Briefly, those are the highlights for Sipo. Just before we take a quick break, I know he was also roped into the uh, to the Davis Cup team. He was a practice partner or a hitting partner. I see he's not part of the team. Um, have they explained to him? Do you understand? Is there is, is there a plan in place? You asked if they have explained it to him. Yes, no, I just see that he's no longer part of the team now. Tell me so, that's, uh, that, that, that's the third one. Because nobody has conducted SIPO. Uh, in 2017, we were all excited. I think uh, the nation was excited to see a young black tennis player who has uh, uh, achieved so so much in South Africa and abroad, uh, being in, being called into the senior squad of tennis Davis Cup team, and uh, again this year he was called up to be part of the team uh, against uh, Israel, oh, yeah. the Israel tie. So today we know that uh, the team has been announced. Unfortunately, he is not part of that team. He's not part of that team as a player. He's not part of that team as a as a hitting partner. Nobody told us anything. Nobody told him anything. Because remember, when they announced his name, they were talking about uh, the view for the future. Mm. And also remembering that in the Davis Cup team, for for years now, we have only had Raven Klassen in the team, who is the player of color and who is now aging. But to today, we're still sitting with the pure white team, with no people who was called in to say, look, we see potentially new. And now when they decide that uh, they want to go and play in Portugal, they did not see him fit to go to Portugal. If you've just then they me. had other ideas. Unfortunately, and it is so sad because um, it's some kind of abortion. You give a, a player hope that you can do this, but uh, at the same time, you don't have a, a plan for this kid to develop this player. So that is where I think we as South Africans and South African tennis are going to struggle to raise more uh, top players in the world. If you've just joined us, we're speaking to the father of the very talented Monsi brothers, Mr. Kolani Monsi, just to find out more about the progress that his boys have made over the past couple of years. And is really they've really made a lot of sacrifices as a family uh, to get them this far. You can join the conversation. We'll wrap up after this break. You can join us on 0891104207.
SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. We've got Temba calling us from the Northwest. Temba, good evening and what's your comment? Hello, my brother. How are you? Fine, thanks. And you, Temba? Oh, right. Uh, it's good to listen to you about talking about the development of sports in the country. But the problem that we are having, or the same say that I'm having, that uh, I have been interested in, in all sporting goals like chairs, tennis bars, and all those chairs. So the problem that we are having now that I'm having is the tennis court here in Tusei. Well, it's well equipped, of course. It's a mess and everything. But we need uh, a facilitator in the province of the West to say, now I'm going to be a facilitator to train the unemployed youth to be trainers of the, of the kids at school level. Is the tennis court neglected? Yes, yeah, very much neglected. Unlike in the past. Uh, I've lived in the past in the during the era of Pulitzer, when there was tennis court in Mabatu, when you quit your training. Now, this time, training of the school chief is in general, sports is dead. Okay, so, Tim. I, in tennis, I want to get involved in the transmission committee if possible. Okay, Temba, I've got you there. Thanks for that call. Mr. Munson, maybe you can shed some light here from your experiences in going around the country as there's still a challenge with facilities and equipment in the townships in the previously disadvantaged areas. No, definitely, Tabiso, there is still a, a big challenge in the townships uh, all around uh, South Africa. The, fa- the facilities are not up to standard, and uh, actually even the ones that are being uh, used, like for instance, you go to Bloemfontein where we normally play nationals, the courts, they, they are not up to standard. They are not resourced. Here in Cape Town, they are not up to standard. So generally, uh, the courts are not well. In the townships, it's even worse. And there is no one who's taking care of that. Uh, yes, we hear people talking about development, development here and there, but we don't see the practicality, you know, really on the ground. Yet we do have lots of talent in the townships, but unfortunately, that is going nowhere. The development centers have been set up, but... Uh, we're not quite happy at the moment. It's all about um, the lip service that is taking place or the development is very is going very, very, very slow. Now, for those parents listening to us, Mr. Monti, we have kids that play tennis. Uh, what does it take to raise potential professional players like you have done as a family? Yo, tell you so. It takes a... Uh, it takes a good understanding at home at first with the parents. Good understanding to say we are going to support this kid, this boy or this girl. Left, right and center we are going to support because uh, for the kids to be successful in their sporting codes, they need to get a strong foundation. They need to get a strong backup and support from home before they are supported by the coaches. I always talk about uh, PPC, which is player, parent, coach. You know, without that, you won't have a success. So to the parents out there, we need to support our kids, and more especially to our black folks. Uh, we, 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 in many cases, over the weekends, we don't have time to go and support our kids, to watch them play at school, to watch them during the week, so they are all there alone with no support. That support plays a very big role. 
And um, unfortunately, you would support these kids, but when it comes to federations like our federation, again, you end up having more players who will not want to be part of the South African tennis because of all the bad things or all the disadvantages that they experience in their lives, mm. having played so much. And more especially, if you are, the, you are a black kid, you have to do 150% to make it. Unfortunately, it is so sad. And with the CEO who is trying to do the job, but unfortunately, with him alone, or with him with few people, he can't make it. You will see only this as a window dressing of some kind, where people will talk about transformation, transformation, that yet you don't see transformation on the ground. So it is so sad tennis in South Africa. And finally, uh, for those who want to follow the progress of the boys or maybe who want to get in touch with you and be able to assist where they can, how do they get in touch with the Monty Brothers? I know you're also active on social media. Yes, Monty Brothers are active on social media. Um, if you go on Google, you go Monty Brothers, yeah. Then you will get all the information about the Monte Brothers and how to get contact of them. And guys, um, yeah, that's a bit so I don't know the underscores and all the no, I've uh, got social it. media I've, things. I've got it. You know? Yeah, I've got it. I'll give it up out right now. But Mr. Munsi, thank you very much for joining us. You've come a long way. Don't give up now. I think the future is starting to look bright and the skies are clearing here. And we wish your boys all the best of luck as well as you and your family. No, thank you very much, Tabi. So I really appreciate it. And uh, for us, it's uh, no retreat, no surrender. We're going forward. That's the spirit right there. Uh, the Monty Brothers. Find them on social media on Twitter at Monty Brothers at M-O-N-T-S-I and then Brothers B-R-O-T-H-E-R-S. That's where you can follow their progress and get in touch with them really, really once for the future. We heard that Judy Murray has, also, has already tipped Sipo for the future, but many are saying the younger one, Kolo, is actually going to be a, a, a big star too. So great stuff to look forward to with the Monty Brothers. If you've missed the big game, Bafana Bafana Nil, Seychelles Nil, we are all disappointed, but it's not over yet as we heard from Brian Mufukeng. My name is Tabiso Musia. Thank you very much. Mr. Ashraf Gara up next, but first let's go to news.